Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we will be looking at John Wall and the potential split from the Houston Rockets. And the fact that John Wall wants to look for playing with a contender. And just everything going on with John Wall. And this is uh, the situation. Um, Yeah, let's look at it all. And where he could end up and everything going on with John Wall. So a lot of uh, news articles came out saying that John Wall uh, does not want to be here. He does not want to play games for Houston. Uh, he's going to remain. This is from The Athletic. He's going to remain present around the Rockets entering training camp, which begins late this month. And to not playing games for Houston this season. Um, and so I guess uh, they want to go in a different direction. He wants to go in a different direction. And uh, it sounds like it's an amicable split, not a very uh, bad split. And um, I guess uh, maybe he could go in a different direction. Maybe they could go in a different direction. Who knows? So let's see where we're at with John Wall from the beginning and go from there. He came over here in a Russell Westbrook trade, which happened uh, after... the year before last. So he was traded for Westbrook, played one season in Houston, and by no means was he a bad player. He was a good player for them. He was hurt now and again, but was surprisingly healthier than he normally is. And I mean, he's a five-time All-Star and someone who had from 2010 to like 2016 one of the greatest trajectories in the NBA as one of the top point guards and now has gone from that to injured on and off, not looking so good, overpaid, you know, his play is declining. He has injuries, and they force him to be up for games, and this hurts his trajectory, and it hurts his, you know, playing time, and his plan, and the fact that, you know, when you're 23, and you get hurt, you can come back pretty easily, but when you're getting close to your 30s, and you're in your 30s, it's tough as a player to get out and play, and then get hurt, and then come back and be close to 100% healthy. And so his contract, it's not great. It's, you know, $40 million plus, and he's got some years left. Uh, You know, he's got his injury history. Uh, I think this is a tough situation all around. And if he wants to play for a contender, it's going to be tough to find deals that work because a lot of contenders already have a lot of money tied up in top-tier players who are better than John Wall. So it's hard to see teams going all out for him if they're contenders. According to some of the the recent news uh, in terms of um, just XM Radio, uh, NBA XM Radio, Mitch Lawrence, uh, the Clippers, Miami Heat, Detroit Pistons have expressed interest in acquiring uh, John Wall. Uh, The Rock 7 fielding offer is including the Clippers, Heat, and Pistons. That's what he said. Um, And also said, um, after taking a major PR hit, from the James Harden trade, the Rockets aren't rushing into any deal. We have to win this trade. Now, part of me wonders how you can win this trade because John Wall is by no means the greatest player anymore. Um, I think winning this trade would be getting out of his contract and having little to no money coming back, or at least long-term money coming back, right? You could find a deal with any number of disgruntled players um, who make a lot of money, and then you would be in the same position. You want to get at least one-year contracts or two-year contracts with the last year being an opt-out, team option or whatever, and 
you know, try and see what you can do from there. Um, uh, they want to try and win this deal, which I don't think they will. Obviously, everyone hated the fact that they traded James Harden for basically nothing. And I think in the end of the day, or at the end of the day, they're going to want to actually, you know, try to get a better trade. Um, but, you know, it seems like things could um, escalate. And, you know, I think something could actually take place uh, moving forward. So there are some teams out there that have shown interest for sure. And, um, you know, we're going to look at all of the ones that they just mentioned and sort of where they can go from here. So the first one we're going to look at is the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, the Clippers make a lot of sense for a few reasons. Number one, they have a bunch of mid-level contracts that can be used to kind of put together in order to get sort of this deal done. And it would be a good deal. Um, and you could easily find something that works. Um, and then... They also have a good system. They're a championship caliber team. They got Kawhi and just some of these other important pieces as well. So the Clippers do check a bunch of boxes. And it's not going to cost you a ton. So in terms of draft picks and whatnot, you're not going to have to really give up too much to make it uh, really uh, work. So unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how you want to look at it, they added Eric Bledsoe. So they traded away pieces to get Eric Bledsoe, who was the plan at point guard. But he's not a great point guard. I think despite John Wall being a more injury-prone player, I do believe that at the end of the day, John Wall is a better player um, in the you know grand scheme of things. So what is going to take place here for the Los Angeles Clippers if they want to make a trade? So... Obviously, once Eric Bledsoe is available to get traded, he would be the first piece to go. He's a two-year contract. He makes $18 million, And then you can set yourselves up to be uh, point guard swap for point guard swap. Granted, I think Jalen Green could be a point guard, but Bledsoe would probably take that point guard spot. Then looking at the other contracts that could get added in, the next biggest contract is Marcus Morris and then Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard's 25 He's a decent shooter. He's, uh, you know, someone who averaged eight, almost eight and a half points and almost uh, three rebounds. So I think he would be thrown in just for the sheer fact that he makes $12 million and it's good for salary matching, etc. Then you would probably throw in uh, Ivaka Zubac because he makes $7.5 million. Um, and he could be thrown into this uh, as a potential piece Uh who could really, you know, get minutes off the bench or just a throw-in for salary if you want to go down that road. I don't think they're going to want to trade away Marcus Morris. I mean, you could just do um, Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, and Eric Bledsoe, and that can get you your money. Uh, but I don't know if they want to do that. So I think they're going to probably stick to a Zubac-led Luke Kennard, Eric Bledsoe deal. Maybe, uh, you know, John Wall gets traded with a draft pick thrown in. Um, but... I think, you know, Eric Bledsoe, Luke Kennard, probably Zubach and some other stuff could get this done, um, and it wouldn't be too hard of a deal, um, and it's not that bad. So now, the next team that was mentioned, and uh, we're going to look at this just based off of, just in order, is Miami. Now, I don't think Miami is going to be involved for a few reasons. Number one, they don't have a lot of space now that they have Kyle Lowry in there, and I also feel like 
you know, with Kyle Lowry, they don't have a need for a point guard anyways. So this one's probably not going to happen. If you look at what Miami has, uh, maybe they could get something done. But I don't see the reason because, you know, you have 26 from Kyle Lowry, 28 from Bam, and 36 from Jimmy Butler. doesn't really make sense. You'd have to get rid of one of those guys, and it's not going to happen. So, yeah, that's a big, uh, a big no for me on that one. Then they also mentioned the Detroit Pistons, which, really, why would they go after John Wall? And for Detroit, uh, again, they just don't have the pieces needed, unless you get rid of Jeremy Grant. They do have a lot more cap space, uh, which I think, in theory, let's say they decide to, you know, get some sort of a three-team deal done with Grant going to a team with a lot of you know, potential or a team that has enough cap space, who's a playoff team, you know, Grant gets slid in there and then you get John Wall to the Pistons and then the Rockets take back something from another team and some draft picks, maybe. Uh, if they can take on John Wall's $40 million on its own without really having to give up anything and just kind of, you know, trade, let's say they trade John Wall to the Pistons with uh, one of the first round picks, let's say the 2023 Milwaukee first round pick, which is unprotected. And then let's say they trade away um, this Golden State 2024 second round pick and John Wall to the Pistons. And let's say the Pistons just trade away, uh, just for sake of argument, uh, Frank Jackson, who makes $3 million. And this is more, hey, we're just going to get rid of someone. Let's make this trade. And the Pistons take assets. Maybe that's what the Rockets do in this case. But I don't really see it working in my opinion. Then we have another team that hasn't been mentioned, but I think they should be, which is Dallas Mavericks. So Houston, in this case, would get Kristaps Porzingis, and, you know, John Wall would go to Dallas, and a first-round pick would go to Dallas as basically part of this deal to make it work, and then Dallas would probably trade away other stuff to kind of make the salaries match, um, and then you would have a pretty straightforward deal right there. So is this a good trade? I think uh, it wouldn't be awful, but I don't know if the Mavericks want to give up on Porzingis, and more importantly, I don't know if they want to take on John Wall uh, at the end of the day. So I don't think that one's going to happen, but there is a chance that maybe it does down the line. Uh, we'll see. Uh, then we have, uh, I was looking at CBSSports.com. They had an article about it, and they came up with a trade, which basically is, John Wall, a first-round pick from Houston and a first-round pick from Sacramento going to the Sixers. Houston receives Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley, and the Sacramento Kings receive Ben Simmons and filler salary from the Sixers to make the money work. So now, I don't think this one's going to happen because Philadelphia hasn't accepted offers that were much better than this. I think they'd rather have Malcolm Brogdon in a first-round pick than John Wall in these picks. I just don't see that one working. I just, John Wall, I don't think he's going to either the Sixers or the Kings. So I think that's a big uh, a big pass in my book. Um, but looking at the potential teams that could uh, he could work for, um, you know, there are a lot of teams that uh, don't work here. He's not going to the Nets or the Bucks because they don't have the money. Celtics won't want to take on that money. The Hawks have Trey Young, so they don't need to worry. The Heat just traded for Kyle Lowry. This is all CBS Sports on their article. Uh, the Knicks added Kemba, so they don't really need a uh, point guard. 
And these are just playoff teams because uh, of all the names they're looking at. All of them are kind of playoff teams here. Uh, then you go to the Western Conference. The Jazz and the Sun resigned Mike Conley and Chris Paul. The Warriors have Steph Curry. Damian Lillard's still in Portland. Uh, the Nuggets don't have any reason to go after him. The Lakers uh, are interested uh, before they got uh, Russell Westbrook. Now, not so much. And so if you look at the teams that made the playoffs last year, just from this list, in the Eastern Conference, uh, I guess the Wizards maybe, but they just got rid of Westbrook. Why would they bring him back? Uh, at least that's the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference, the Clippers are the only team that really makes sense because Dallas could get involved. I don't know why they would because they don't want to take on that money. And the Grizzlies already have John Morant. And so there's that. And so at this point, the only teams that I could in theory see taking on John Wall, uh, just from my own experience, I think the Raptors could get involved if there's you know a draft pick situation where they get John Wall and draft picks and they get rid of players. I could see something like a Fred Van Vliet going somewhere else and the Raptors getting John Wall in like draft picks and then a third team taking on um, Van Vliet and then giving up assets to match salaries and that goes to the Rockets. I think if Kevin Love for John Wall was brought up, maybe the Rockets would do it. I don't know what draft picks would have to be involved, if any. Uh, that's a pretty fair swap. Uh, Orlando has a bunch of point guards, but if they were doing this trading away someone like a Gary Harris and trading away someone like a Terrence Ross, maybe the Celtics trade for Terrence Ross in their trade exception. Gary Harris gets traded to um, the Rockets, and then Orlando gets John Wall in a first-round pick, and maybe they get a second-round pick or two from Boston for the Terrence Ross side. They could be involved in that since they don't need a point guard, but if they wanted to take him on just for salary reasons... And the fact that they can get assets back, maybe that works. Spurs, they have DeJounte Murray and Derek White, so they have no reason to go for him. Pelicans have uh, Devontae Graham, no need to do anything, and why would they want $44 million tying them down? Uh, as I mentioned uh, before, the Kings, not going to happen. Timberwolves won't happen. OKC could get involved, uh, because if you look at how much they have in terms of salary, the highest is... Derek Favors, yes, they got rid of Kemba, so there's $36 million just laying there. But they have $33 million in cap space. And they also have Derek Favors, like I said, $9 million. So you would have just enough to um, really get this done. So if you traded, let's say you trade away Derek Favors, and then you trade away someone like a Gabriel Deck to Houston for John Wall, and they give up some draft picks. I could see OKC getting in on this. Don't really know why they would want to, but maybe if they get enough picks to do it, then they could get involved for sure. So, yeah, that's an option. Uh, so the options overall for John Wall, they're not really great. There isn't a lot that they can do. There's no real realistic landing spots besides maybe the Clippers in the playoff race um and the fact that they say okay we don't want to well this is just from just one source that oh they don't want to mess up this trade like they messed up the the other trade involving uh james harden this is an this is a lot harder to mess up because you're not really at this point taking you know 
you're not really getting any significant value back. And I guess the only way they could actually mess this up is if John Wall goes to a team like the Clippers and has like a 25-point-a-game year, and they traded him away for like scraps, and he is somewhat healthy, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, something to think about. So, you know, Orlando could get involved with, like I said, Gary Harris. They have Markel Fultz they could trade. They have Terrence Ross. Um, there's a bunch of pieces, so who knows where they go from here. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're a team as well. So we're going to have to kind of wait and see because there really isn't a lot of options. And because he makes so much money, it's a lot harder to bring him in. If he made, like, $17 million, teams, I think, would be more interested because they'd take a flyer on someone. Even if he made, like, $22 million, I think they'd consider taking a flyer on him and being like, okay, well, we could see what we can get for him. Maybe it'll work out. And they could go from there. But I just think because he makes so much money, it doesn't really think... I don't think it'll work. And so, uh, yeah, there's a good chance uh, that he leaves and then they'll have to figure out what to do from there. So both sides, I think, are eventually getting to that kind of breaking point, that schism. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, where they go from here. So... We'll see what happens. Who knows? There we go. So, Aaron Gordon has agreed to a four-year, $92 million exception, uh, making him a big-paying man, uh, according to his agent. Um, so, the deal includes player option for fourth year, 2025-2026. It includes an $88 million in base salary and $4 million in ex- exceptions. Or I should say incentives. So yeah, he was traded for Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton in a first-round pick, which is protected in 2025. Can't really complain. He's been great. He's been a good piece and someone who has had a good career. And I think this is a good, you know, re-signing or extension. He's a good guy, and I wouldn't be surprised with, um, you know, with what's going on. So uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, so we'll see uh, where they go. So moving on to some other news um, just involving, I guess, the NBA. Um, so Dennis Schroeder, who is a new member of the Boston Celtics, put out um, a tweet, or maybe not a tweet, but he said that he is letting fans pick his jersey number. So he is letting people out there uh, pick the jersey number for him, and, uh, yeah, they, um, are kind of leaning towards number 96, which is, um, very interesting, because he is a fan of a German soccer team, and I guess the German soccer team has a rival, which in the name is 96, um, so a lot of Germans are trying to get him to, uh, you know, by voting, uh, 96 as his number, so it's the rival of his favorite soccer team. I don't know if that really matters. Uh, number 17 is retired, uh, so that's his number, but he can't use it anymore for obvious reasons. So, uh, you know, that is, uh, that's where they're at. So he's going to get a new number, and it is going to be chosen by the people, which, not bad if he doesn't have any, uh, real inkling towards one number over another, seeing as his main number is gone, then, uh, yeah, um, I think, um, I think that's, uh, I guess that works, so, 
can't really complain. So, uh, yeah. Next up is something that is coming out of the NBA. So, the NBA won't require players to get vaccinated for COVID-19 this season. So, yeah. NBA players are not required uh, to get the vaccine, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, I guess they have not uh, budged on this matter, the Players Association. And this was a non-starter for them. This is very interesting to me because... I don't see why you wouldn't want to get vaccinated, especially because you're going and traveling all over, and this would make things a lot safer for everyone. Um, the NBA has mandated that its referees and most of its staff members get vaccinated, but the players, I guess, they don't have to. And I don't think the league is going to kind of make this like a, a hill they die on sort of situation until things get worse. And if it gets worse, they'll be like, we're going to mandate vaccinations or else no one's playing which I don't know if that'll ever get to that point. Um, so I guess uh, for the protocols, um, they have, this was um, from August. The NBA informed teams that staff under team control who work within 15 feet of players or officials during games would be required to be fully vaccinated by October 1st. So, uh, according to a league spokesperson, over 85% of the NBA is vaccinated already. Um, and unvaccinated guys will have stricter uh, protocols that include having lockers far from vaccinated teammates or having to eat, fly, and ride buses in different sections. Uh, this is from ESPN, uh, where they got their news. So, I guess this is not final, but um, this is something... Uh, Eventually, that uh, if things go as they do, that's what they're going to do about it and go from there. So, who knows? Maybe uh, there is, you know, this chance that uh, players actually have to get vaccinated. But for the moment, it sounds like they don't want that to, to be a thing. And at the moment, we're just going with this story. So, if things obviously get worse, I'm sure they're going to be like, you know what? You guys have to actually, like, you know, get vaccinated. But for now, that's where they sit. So uh, that is the story um, right there. So I was reading this article, and it was from Sports Illustrated, which says, Which 2021 Hall of Fame inductee would you build your team around? Paul Pierce, Chris Webber, Chris Bosh, Tony Kukoc, and Ben Wallace. So this one is a little easy. This one's a little biased, but easy. It's it's going to be Paul Pierce. Uh, he's the best player in this class. He is the greatest choice. Yes, Chris Bosh has more championship rings, but I do believe that Paul Pierce is the better player overall. And so of this group, I would build my team around him. And um, so that's kind of where uh, you are. Um, he is just the best of the best for me. Uh, some people would say, um, you know, um, I guess Chris uh, Weber, but I think still Paul Pierce is the one. So most of uh, the analysts, they had a bunch of guys answer this question, and about half of them said Paul Pierce and about half of them said Chris Weber. So I, I think it's still Paul Pierce. Um, I don't see how um, that is, um, that is uh, tough. So... Yeah, uh, pretty solid, uh, pretty good situation. Um, and uh, if there's new news on John Wall, we'll talk about it. But right now, teams are trying to, you know, inquire about it. I think the, you know, 
Houston Rockets are like ready to go, and I don't think they want to ruin this one. So there's a good chance that they just go for the best offer and see what they can get. And if something's good, great. If not, then they have to see if they want to get rid of him and just release him or let him sit the bench all year and see where they go from there.